up, Hyperchange? Welcome to another episode. Today we're mixing it up a little. Um, got my friend Aiden here. He's been on Hyperchange before, fun fact. Um, but what up, Aiden? Welcome to the show. Dude, so pumped to be here. So just a couple days ago, I was talking to Galley out by the beach in Santa Monica, and I was like, dude, you interview everyone, but when was the last time you had someone interview you? So we <laughs> want to bring a special opportunity to the Hyperchangers and get a bunch of questions off to Galley to learn more about how he got to where he is. So I'm super stoked for this. Yeah, I was sold. Aiden pitched me on it and he's like, bro, I have a pitch for you. And we're walking back to my Tesla. And then I get to my, and he's like, no, 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 we gotta get in the Tesla for the pitch. And I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. And so he pitches me to interview me. So I was like, all right, I'm down. And I feel like there's a lot of things that I don't say on the channel or like, I don't feel like are right for videos about the kind of strategy, what I'm actually doing with my life and sort of career beyond making content. And so, but how that relates to content in the same way, like hyperguat, VC deals, scheming, like all that kind of stuff. And how you like got to where you are, like, and what was your journey? Did you think about it? Like what led you to starting your own YouTube channel? Was this something that you always wanted to do? And like, what led you to like investing? And then how you gotten like to build this kind of like empire now of hyper change, hyper guap, hyper charts, and building your personal brand on the internet. Yeah. Totally. I mean, what I think it is, is it's like, you're locked into the system, right? I'm going to college, I'm gonna get a job, I gotta get a job to pay my bills. Like maybe when I'm 60, I'll be rich enough to like do what I want with my life. But until then, I'm gonna get the best job that the world gives me and just work my ass off and see what happens. And then I was doing that. And then after, and you kind of like tell yourself you're working for your passion, but like you're working for startups, I'm working investing for other people. And then I just stumbled upon Gary Vee and his whole theory of like crushing it, like what are you good at, what's your passion, how do you build a business around it? And I was, I, you know, I've been investing for 10 years at that point, like I started when I was 14, read the Buffett book, and then I've just been getting super into investing, and this was like a couple years out of college. I was work, I had like been doing some Seeking Alpha, but I was working at the startup, and then I was like, damn, this sucks, like this is my chance. Gary Vee was ironically an investor in that startup, and that they were like, we got this sick investor named Gary Vee, like you should definitely check him out. And I'm like, okay. So, so you, I discovered, out. you discovered Gary Vee for the first time when you were working at your first startup right out of college. Basically. And that was the start. Originally out of college, I was managing money. So that's what I was doing. I was blogging, found this really cool guy who became my mentor. And then he just this amazing investor taught me a bunch of stuff. I was working for him, doing research on all the companies he owns. Um, and that was supporting you or did you, did, were yeah. you working another job at the time? That, that was supporting me. And so I started doing that my junior year of college and like he gave me half a million dollars to manage and see how I did. And then sort of, you know, do research for his portfolio, um, which was way bigger than that. And then, um, so I kept doing that. Just I think I started sophomore or junior year. Yeah. Did that after college, was super into the investing game, but then that, he wanted me to do small cap NASDAQ because that's a clear arbitrage. Like, for sure. Yeah, we're gonna have Galley compete with these small cap NASDAQ managers. That's kind of what I had blogging about at the time. Like there's, you know, less good institutional research there. We'll actually be able to have an edge. And that's where he was getting a lot of his alpha. So, but then after a while, like I'm researching all these small cap companies and I'm like, these aren't the companies changing the world, yo. Like this isn't like, I want Tesla. I'm obsessed with Bitcoin. Like I'm at the NY, I'm at NYU blogging about Bitcoin for the school newspaper. And so when was that? Like when Bitcoin um, was like that was in 2013. Wow. When I bought my first big or some Bitcoin. And then yeah, so I'm telling all my like my mentor this, and we just I don't know. He's he just wasn't. Now he's a huge Tesla investor, but it's funny because at the time he wasn't into Tesla or Bitcoin, and I was. And then I was like, all right, I'm gonna go my own path. 
ended up like scheming at Sweet Green with one of my investor friends about the food system sitting next to these two uh, employees at a food startup and they heard me just going off and they were like bro like can we hire you like no what's way. good and then next thing you know I'm working there for six months and that's the company that Gary Vee was an investor in and yeah, it was a cool. It was a really good learning experience. Like that was my only so so you real took job so you that like that was right like when you were at Sweet Green, you got this job out of college at the startup, and you were there for six months, and then yeah. and then what happened? Or that was like a year. I had been like managing money for this guy and doing research for his portfolio for like a year. Okay, so then why did you get the job in the first place? What made you? Well, I was like, I don't want to research small cap tech companies. I want to like invest in companies that are changing the world or go okay. work for a startup that is. Got it. And so this startup, I, I just still see a massive opportunity in the food system. Like I think we all eat super not fresh, not healthy food. And that's not that good, frankly. And that's why we eat processed, unhealthy fast food because we don't have amazing options of fresh, amazing produce that's grown locally. And so that company was trying to tackle that problem. And I was like going to work on this problem is I want to do that and so you know it didn't work out whatever it's hard to change the food system but that's why I was like that's more inspiring to me than just but, managing money in the small cap tech portfolio but I know? think like that thread of being drawn to a startup that was in the food system was enough to make you go to like the quote-unquote corporate world or get a job at a company yeah because like it had such an impact and you're into like gardening and, and developing food supply like you're saying and this was a way for you to like tap into that um and I, th I think that's something that you're going to continue to be passionate about as you build your investing career totally and it was like a I don't know. I thought it was awesome because it was like a six person startup, right? So it was like super small, super personal. And like I got, or maybe like 10 wow. or 12 people. Yeah. But like it was like, it wasn't like I was going to work for a big company. It felt like I was doing something fun. And I was in charge of like the farms division. So that's basically like the farm side of the platform. Like we have, okay, chefs on one side in New York City. And then we have all these local farms. And we literally have a couple trucks that deliver food, like harvest to order. Like you order it on the app. We har tell our farmers, they harvest it at 6 a.m. Our truck come by, comes by at noon. We bring everything to the loading bay, sort it by restaurant, put it on the truck, and then get it into Manhattan like the next day. So it's like 48 hours from harvest to chef. So it's so dope and it was so exciting. And I was in charge of the farm division. And so my job is to literally Google the hell out of what is a dope farm growing amazing food super locally that's probably distributing it to some like, you know, retailer in Jersey, shelling it to ShopRite, getting next to some crappy tomatoes when really these are amazing Jersey tomatoes. We should be telling their story. This should be the highlight of a chef's menu. And so wow. my so job was telling to like, the story of different food supplies yeah, already. You're like, like I was angel investing in farmers on almost. That's what I felt like. So I would just find these farmers like farmers are such cool passion people and like just amazing really to talk are, to and yeah. they, they're so chatty bro they don't talk to any other humans so they're just like like just chit-chatting with all these farmers and I'm like yo what if I told you like we can make it easier for you and sell your produce for like triple the whatever price and get it onto these crazy chefs in Manhattan look at their Instagram and so yeah, I was like, it was the funnest job ever because I was basically just driving, I would rent this zip car and then drive all around Jersey and New York just going to farms and like pull over at a farmer's market, do some like Google Maps radaring and be like, okay, this looks like a really dope area. You know, it was called the, um, I think it's called like the black soil region or something uh, where they grow these amazing garlic and onions in uh, up lower state New York. And then you're looking at like the satellite map of like, damn, like what's a farm here that we can't get that's maybe under the radar that's like, 
anyway, it's there's a whole scheme with it. But it was so it was so that, that, I love that job. And, and that was like your first kind of for what what way into like the startup world and operating and like what goes on within the company. And then you started learning about Gary V. And I, I think like have your viewers heard about how you went from that job to starting Hyperchange and like how you were able to get started and how you were able to build the channel and take it off the ground. Yeah, well, I mean, I've said it before, but might as well say it again. Yeah. But then, so it was like, okay, so in the food company was one thing, but really for in investing was like my true passion. That's what I've been doing for years. Like, I was already so stoked about Tesla, investing in Tesla, telling them like, why are we have these like gas trucks? We need to buy Tesla trucks, you know? So I was already totally. scheming on that. And like, then that's when I saw the Gary Vee thing. It was like, all right, like, what can I actually build a startup around? Like, what is my actual skill set? It's knowing the stock market. I put in my 10,000 hours. Like, I think I'm really good at investing. I want to share that with people. And I think the product that the investing world's missing, the show that I wanted to watch, was a really dope investor who was just honest and authentic and said what they thought and open sourced their investing diary. Imagine if Warren Buffett, for every single one of investments for his entire career, like, open sourced it. He didn't have the internet, so he couldn't. But that's what I think the Warren Buffett of RJ generations doing is open sourcing their investment research building a track record that way giving their ideas away for free to try and inspire people and kind of do cool shit and so that's what I saw the vision that's where I saw this the industry headed and I was like I want to be in that world I want to be one of those people I want to be one of these thought leaders that sort of educates people and doesn't make them dumber like CNBC and the bigger the problem the bigger the opportunity and so it just kind of clicked with Gary Vee like do Twitter do YouTube and I was like bro there's gonna be some kid who like is like you know mark zuckerberg that was the whole thing the social network like anyway anyway the point is every industry was just going through this like bet on the internet bet on the new way of doing it and i just felt like finance hadn't cracked yet like it was a little bit too i don't know if that makes sense i'm, I'm curious though so you had the investing skill but how did you take that and build hyper change like where did the video skills come from because to me what's really interesting it's not just that you're an investor but it's that you're a content creator and it's at the intersection of the two and how many people can produce really good content and be one of like the best investors in the world and bring those two together yeah well i would say my content sucks and so I'm, <laughs> i like i've always been into making videos like i recently discovered that looking back through like my old hard drives of like cell phones I used to have in like middle school and high school like I would always record me and my friends doing dumb shit and just like like I don't know like I just have these funny videos of like me and my friend going to like the buffet and just like narrating all of it and just in, like high school or something like in high school and like I don't know like it wasn't like I didn't post it anywhere I just like made it so we could watch it because it was funny so you edit content you got familiar with like the like the kind of the videography process yeah and like so documenting the moment like that's what I'm passionate about like I don't create content like I was talking to one of my director friends like yeah he's amazing Tanner like he's got yep. such a creative vision he puts like so much work and planning into every word into every shot into every second on film and he's creating a world that you like get brought into by his content so my yeah. content is is totally different it's like me bringing my tiny little camera maybe my phone on my gimbal that you barely notice to just document the real world around me not create a scene and so that's the kind of content i like and then it was like with hyperchain it's like wait like this is such an amazing show. Like me, you know, I would do all this random stuff before. Like I was an investor in the Jones Soda, like the quirky Seattle soda brand. I don't know, just for fun, but like would go to the shareholder meeting, like would, and those are some of the first Hyperchange episodes and like would go to the store with Julian and like check out the soda and like. So it was almost like a vice, like. Yes, I love vice. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. 
like you'd kind of really go into like this isn't just investing from behind an Excel sheet. Like we're testing out the product. Yeah, we're gonna kick the wheels. Yeah, like, it's and and that's kind of been your emphasis, like on Tesla. You, like when you, like and you, when you went to go see Neo, it was always about like I want to see like the actual thing they're creating and not just be like a bunch of hype and numbers. Dude, exactly. Yeah. So Vice was like the biggest inspiration for me. I still love Vice. I think they're so amazing and like. I don't know, just the whole way that they do content and show you what's happening on the ground in just such an authentic way. I think that's the future yeah. of journalism and like everything. And so nobody was doing that for investing and I still don't think really is in the kind of, I don't know, but it just, that's my, I just kind of clicked with me that like my storytelling passion and my investing passion have this big overlap and like there's also a huge need in the market and this is a product that I can do by myself. And, and, and take me through like when you were making those like first few videos, like what were your like expectations? Like what did you think was gonna happen when you were like early on in HyperChange? I mean, I remember my sister being rattled that I told her I quit my job to do that or like I was gonna do that. <laughs> and like, uh, I don't know. My expectations were that I don't know, I was gonna do it. I saw Jeremy Financial Education, he had 7,000 subscribers. I was watching him blow up and he said he was making like a couple grand a month on AdSense. He made a video about it and now I'm friends with J uh, Jeremy, which is awesome, he's so cool. But, and I was like, you know what? Like, I can just do this. And I feel like the demand is there. And like, if you're actually great and you actually find great companies and you put out amazing information, like the rest will follow. And so, I don't know, I think you just gotta give, what I realized is HyperChange was the first time I like really bet on myself with an idea. I mean, it was really well thought out with like the strategy, but just, I think that's such a powerful thing that a lot of people in our generation don't even give themselves is the chance to bet on themselves and believe in yourself and be like, you know what? I actually think I can be good at this. And so I'm gonna set myself up to at least be able to try, you know? And was it, what was it that kind of gave you that confidence that like you can do this, that, like you saw someone else doing it, Jeremy, you were like, I feel like I know finance too. Like what, what gave you the confidence to be like, you know what, I'm gonna better myself right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Was, was there a particular thing or was it just more like a, a feeling about like this was something that felt right? Um, well, I think we called Amazon Whole Foods. And so that was a big one. Um, like, I don't know, when the channel had like 800 subscribers, like I would make the Moonshot Mondays. Right. And one of them was, you know, Amazon should buy Whole Foods. They're gonna push into food. They're gonna push into brick and mortar. Here's why. And they did it. And so that was super early on in HyperChange, like right when I had started going full time. And then I was like, I'm sold. Like, I get it. This wasn't being written about anywhere. Like, we schemed this up. We shot the video. This proves that people that just hustle and use the internet can get as good insight on the market and bring sort of bleeding edge alpha information to the market before Wall Street. And so that just gave me the confidence to be like, yup, even though Tesla's being studied by Goldman Sachs, by JP Morgan, by the biggest hedge funds in the world, I can have an alpha arbitrage if I just think differently and use the internet and use something like social media data. Like I was collecting in 2012, uh, all the, in 2013, all of this social media data on organic growth in Twitter and Facebook of Tesla versus every single, like I saw these spreadsheets of like the, the Facebook followers every single week or month of every single big auto brand. And then I would track the comments and likes per post. And then you see, wait, Tesla's 
growing insanely faster. All the other ones are paying for their exposure to increase. Tesla's not paying. Their engagement per post is through the roof. Like this is evidence that is the financial world's too slow to comprehend actually having alpha that has all the alpha that shows you which brand is ahead that it's probably 10 years ahead of the financials, right? And so it's kind of like, um, it just gave me so much confidence in this, this thesis that the internet is Warren Buffett, everybody else investing is literally driving, looking in the rear view mirror at financials. And this idea that the internet has so much metadata that's actionable, that gives you an insight into months, if not years ahead of that, you know, the status quo of what people are looking at, then like. So there's like a, a few trends of realizing that you had some proof points with like the Whole Foods and kind of seeing Tesla moving. And then this idea that the internet was giving you like it was becoming a new age of investing it wasn't looking back and looking at the financials and seeing things it was where were things going what were things happening in real time that you realized that there was a disconnect in how wall street was currently operating and a huge room for kind of opportunity yeah it's just that like the internet democratizes information and if you were the really early on understanding that and kind of seeing how it translated into financial markets that to me felt like a huge opportunity and I frankly still feel like it's a hugely underpriced opportunity is to look at internet metadata to under, like it's just, um, and that's why Tesla worked. Like no Wall Street firms really got Tesla, it was all retail people, which I think is so amazing and inspiring. And I think, you know, it sounds lame to say like the internet changes everything, but the internet really did. Like, and the internet allowed people to do the research beyond kind of these status quo methods. Um, so let, let's switch gears a yeah. bit. Like I'm curious, I want to talk a little bit about like your startup investing and like how you got into who do you remember your first startup check are you able to disclose that and what was it like like did you did you what did you know about startup investing before you wrote your first check and what have you learned since totally I mean I can I feel like I can definitely disclose yeah so my first check I ever wrote for the startup game was Adams um, and I did it through shrug and so huge shout out to Neve and Adams. I love Adams. When you say you did it through Shrug, was that through an SPV? Yeah. Okay. And when yeah. was that? Just um, probably two or three years ago. Okay. And I love the Adam shoes. Um, I saw Allbirds totally blow up. I, I'm a big believer in this direct to consumer thesis is disrupting a lot of fashion and retail. I love the team. I love the product. I still love my Adams. Like I wear them all the time. I think they're an amazing company. Um, and yeah, so that was my first one. And then I kind of want to just get my feet wet. Like Neve was a huge influence on me. Um, cause he was like, yo, like you have so much opportunity. You got to And I've always been obsessed with startups and been about this game, but I was so deep in the Tesla world, like so, so deep, took all my research, all my focus for years. And then slowly, maybe like a year, honestly, maybe like a year and a half ago when Tesla started becoming super profitable and the story, the story started blowing up and like, it was clear they're going to succeed. Like, I feel like my attention started naturally diverting to like okay what's the next thing where can I get the next alpha like and for me a lot of that arbitrage opportunity for better or worse comes in private markets because a it's really hard to compete in that space it's really hard to find out what's going on um, and if you can get in there's huge opportunity for alpha and I saw yeah. the channel as an opportunity to have leverage and say even though I'm gonna write you a couple thousand dollar check even though I'm not a VC even though da, 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 I have a YouTube channel and I hustle and I have an audience and like I want to partner with you and I think I can add value to your company like that message started resonating and I realized like, wait, this is a savage opportunity for once again, sort of like seeing this arbitrage of digital media um, being sort of an X factor when you're negotiating with any venture deal or venture firm or startup. And in this super organic, authentic way, like I think the future of all investing, like 
will be great investors and it won't be like oh this firm led this round like this is great investors involved um and sort of like you know the influencer creator world leeching into everything but uh so there's two things that i think i want to like break down there like one is like how you use your youtube channel to kind of get um like work with entrepreneurs interview entrepreneurs um, and what you are able to bring to their their companies and brands and then the second thing is like from a viewer standpoint people know about tesla right people uh it's a big company um maybe it was still up and coming when you got started a few years ago and not everyone was so sure on where how where it was gonna go um but people knew about the company how does like isn't but with these smaller companies that you're interviewing like what's the education like i mean some of these companies are a lot more risky right that you're talking about it might go away so how do you think about that for your viewers too when they're spending their time looking at the content and right and so maybe it'd be helpful first to say like i guess the thread connecting all of this is like that passion for documenting these stories that have the opportunity to change to turn into like great businesses that change the world for the better I don't care what size the company or what stage, like Tesla was a baby with no revenue with just a couple of investors at, and a PowerPoint at one point. Yeah. So is every great company, but then they get big. And so it doesn't matter what stage they're in. I just want to find them. And then through that lens of like documenting and telling their story and just because I'm genuinely interested and fascinated by it. And then the startup investing sort of becomes layered into that of like, okay, well now I have excess cash flow. Now, like, I think this is dope and I'm here at your factory and I want to give you five grand. And yeah. now wait, I'm putting that in my video and all my investors are like we also want to give you five grand and then next thing you know it's like well wait maybe we're actually a way better alternative to your lame VC um, because we're cool we love the product we're super long term and instead of having the founders having these meetings just droning on and on with all these different VCs they can just sort of like tell their story on the internet in a podcast and then let their favorite investors find them um, and I think that's where the whole thing's kind of headed so it's it's such a different model when like instead of, it's so much like people always talk about more than a check right in the vc world like it's more yeah. than money and the value that you add um but like for there hasn't been that many like content creator like investors in like the history because before the internet you were at like a major news outlet right and then you had to control the story that you you, you told but now you're able to say whatever you want to say you're able to tell share the story by going and kicking the wheels on the ground talking to the founder going to the company headquarters and saying that story and so that's that's putting the store the the company in the light that was never possible before which is helping to with hiring with them raising money in the future connect with your network um connect with potential customers like th these are all things that like the, the content vc is is unlocking i mean uh, i'm in a moral dilemma as well because i'm like i love giving my content away for free on the internet that's something i'm super passionate about is like just cultivating that sort of vibe on the internet of financial creators is like i don't want to be behind a paywall like for sure all these other people when i'm on the you know growing up in this industry it's like okay everything's a secret you want to work for a great fund keep keep all your great research a secret you have a great investment idea tell your boss so they can make a ton of money on it it's a secret like i hated that closed walled garden philosophy of thought that was like so prevalent in the finance industry and so um i don't know that's a big i don't know how that relates into all of this but that's a big i don't know that's a reason why a lot of 
amazing investors aren't content creators is because they need they think they need to keep their ideas secret and they think they can never be wrong and so i think that's the greatest strength of hyperchange is that i i'm down to be wrong and i actually want to be wrong because that's when i learn and so that philosophy is just so foreign to like i'm gonna wear a suit and like if i'm a financial person like everything i say is great like you don't understand everything i'm speaking a different language but like trust me because i'm wearing a suit yeah. and i look good like that's just so dumb and old school and just so archaic and legacy but it's like that's what i'm up against like that's why it, and, and like that's, i don't know that's where the need is that's, that's where the need is and that's why people gravitate towards these new authentic creators because it's so real and so just awesome and like just a, it's like a fresh of breath air or a, uh yeah a fresh of a breath of fresh air, breath of fresh air. it's a breath of fresh air exactly What's that noise? Oh, it's on cruise control. That's why I was doing that. So, like, one thing I want to talk about, too, is, like, this, like, you've been covering Tesla for so long, and you were saying lately you've been switching more over to, like, covering startups and telling their story. Like, one, what has that been like, and how have you felt like you had to change, like, your analysis and the way you think about, like, your diligence process? Yeah, totally. I mean, I just think of it as myself on the journey to being the investor I want to be. It's not like I'm changing it. I'm just sort of evolving constantly. And yeah, and then startup, like, yeah, I don't know. It's honestly, part of it's really frustrating because I can't, well, I'm not allowed to, I, don't, I already said that, but hmm. maybe ask the, or what, what were you trying to get out there? We'll just, we'll just keep, we'll just keep rolling with yeah. Um, how is Tesla different than the startups? And like, I think what I'm trying to get at is like, like, like why startups? No, not like why startups, like how you went from like talking about something that like a lot of people could look at and had access to all these financial like data and you built your models and you like you did your like thinking and you had these short short uh um shareholder reports and then how you've like transitioned to like now private companies like you might have way access to less information like you um like a lot more is uncertain the business model could change overnight like it's like less of like a, a developed company and so how does that change like the way you think about like diligence um and developing like your thesis and conviction well, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that there's a difference between public and private markets. That to me is like the, and another just in like a microcosm of the entire way the financial world is just doesn't understand the real world. And that's why they miss all these amazing opportunities. I'm giving a company money that I think whose equity will be worth significantly more in the future. Like I'm either, well, maybe not giving them money directly if I'm buying their stock, but still indirectly supporting the equity price. And I want to own equity in something that's going to go way up. And I want to bet on a founder who's like, I'm all about the founder, bet on the jockey, not the horse, bet on a business model where I see like this light at the tunnel, massive value creating entity with a huge equity price. But I have to believe something the world doesn't believe for it to get there. And that's why my contrarian take will allow me to have huge alpha because I have this different belief. So Tesla doesn't seem like a startup, but it is a startup because they had to succeed. They had to build an EV from scratch in the US, do it profitably and sell it direct to consumer, make a million innovations at once. And they had to succeed. So when I started following Tesla, the Model 3 wasn't ramped. They weren't making money. This wasn't, it was still like a huge contrarian take to say we were all going electric, to say Tesla was gonna win. And so in many ways it felt like this early kind of 
of seeing an industry before anybody even acknowledges there is an industry and then betting on the founder who's building the best product in that space and the financials will always lag the product and the founders sort of work in so that's where i feel like tesla was a super startup but it's also like okay on one level i'm saying they're the same but they're different because i don't have financials right i also think people put way too much weight into the financials but if you just google a startup and frankly if you're in the startup game and talking to startups you'll be able to get a flavor of their financials or enough of it to where it's like okay this is your arr this is how many customers you have like this is kind of how fast you're growing like you'll still get a little bit of that information but the truth is if you're looking at the financials when you're startup investing like you're kind of missing the whole point like the, you're not betting on the company's financials today you're betting on like how big the product or service could be and what the financials will look like at that point and so it's all about product it's all about team um that's that's the entire like way to focus on on startups even more so than it was at tesla in the early stage right yeah. so um but i love startups like it's it's all about to me the founder and like so i can give you a couple of my rules rule number one if they haven't built it already and it doesn't work and people aren't using it then like you don't have a company and you don't have a startup and like why are we talking about raising money like go build something people want first yeah. like the like that'll save you literally i think that's it'll save you nine out of ten crappy checks you'll write is because you're like wait like these guys want to raise a mill so then they can start putting their time into coding this no like they should be working for free eating ramen figuring out how to do the mvp like this train is leaving the station with or without you if that's not the vibe you get then I, they just don't have the hustler hoots but to like get there so that's one of my rules um i want to see founders who like put a bunch of their own money in who are building something that's like like give a shit factor is one of my favorite uh lessons which honestly elon really embodies with tesla but just like does the founder care is this their whole life are they obsessed with this like are they willing to sacrifice to make this company change the world like that's such an intuitive gut feeling about people and reading people and reading their emotions and intentions that i think that and that is the biggest thing when you're startup investing is reading that on the team um and that's why like i love investing in public companies but you don't get that access and luckily like i got on a conference call i got to ask elon some stuff martin at tesla has been incredible i get access to them but like startups like you get access to the founders like it's almost to me seems ridiculous that people like investing in companies where like they don't talk to the founder they don't want to meet the founder they don't want to go to the shareholder meeting they don't like you should want to do all of that totally um and startups are fun because you can do that. I get to try the product. They can scheme with me on the product. I don't have to go over the wall on a public company, which is so annoying. Like they can't tell me any, Tesla can't tell me any of their good schemes because I'm not allowed to unless I go over the wall. It's like, well, that means we're not scheming, which means like, you know, business isn't happening. I don't know. It just feels like there's not a free flow of ideas and value. And so I love that about the startup world where I can be like, yo, like, I think we should do this. Like, can I get on the phone with that person right now and make the intro and like, we'll set up this business move. And like, this is going to be material as fuck. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so is that how you feel? Like you feel like when you're investing in startups, like you, you become a partner, you're like, oh, I'm like a, like a teammate now. Like, is that how you view yourself as an investor when you join these early stage companies? Dude, totally. And I want to be their favorite investor like when it's all said and done yeah maybe at the first time they're like all right like i don't know in some companies i'm not because i just like can't add value yeah stokes be on the cap table but like even in those cases like oh why are the money asap i don't ask questions like i shut up and i just am there to support if i possibly you're can. trying to be their favorite, um, easiest favorite investor yeah just their like that's rule number one when i invest is like i work for the founder like i'm not just gonna be you know they want money i wire it there i say i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it like yeah it sounds really simple but that etiquette really goes a long way um and i really try and be like yo like i'm not gonna talk about your product unless i love it even if i'm like already an investor in your company like 
I'm only gonna, but that's gonna be such an organic, authentic way. And then I have this open source way with all the amazing people who watch HyperChange to give me ideas and feedback and explore these new products or services. So that's the thing I really wanna bring to your company is like entering the HyperChange universe of feedback, of early customers, of capital, of, of just energy, of we are a part of building this epic, inspiring future. And I wanna make you a part of that conversation by investing in you and telling your story on my channel. And so, yeah. So let's talk then a little bit about HyperGuap and how like you've, like you're, I'm not sure if you're able to talk about your first deal yet. Oh yeah, I can talk about it. Um, and how you're building this like investing like syndicate community and the way you see that pride and value for startups and like what you want to build with it. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I just got, you know, um, So it started kind of like out of necessity, I feel like, because so many people wanted, like saw the check I wrote into SpaceX and like wanted to be a part of that. So I wanna give my community the opportunity to be a part of that. And the best business model after exploring, looking at the venture space of how to bring in my audience and platform into the venture world was like, okay, how is this gonna happen? I should do a syndicate. Um, I should, you know, Jason Calacanis, I had him on the show. He's amazing. He has the world's biggest syndicate, 4,000, 5,000 yeah. people. Um, I was like, this is an amazing model. I can make my accredited investor. So yeah, so we launched the HyperGuap video, basically say apply. We had like a thousand plus applications. It was incredible, amazing response. We already had like 500 members at the time of the first deal. Um, and then I'm able to essentially show those 500 members who are accredited investors who signed up to be a part of the platform and get my deal flow, my deal flow. And we did the first deal, that was Carta. Um, and you guys raised 10 million for yeah, that? Yeah, we're not supposed to technically say that, but yeah. And we had 75 LPs and we did that, you know, I, however figure deal, like my goal was to do two to four. We crushed that and it, I just saw the demand was there, like literally like raised money from this company, you know, in a week or two, deployed the capital, did it from all these people who are now super pumped about the product. Like just like the company didn't have to interface with the LPs. I handled all of that, um, you know, and I'm super proud about HyperGuap because it's like, I built the website. Like I'm answering every email. I did every phone call. I'm like, that's why it hasn't been moving. That's why I'm excited to potentially bring you on because it's like this first deal worked so well, but it was so much work. Like. I don't know, I feel like I kind of like put my entire life on hold for two months to like try and do my channel and my content and run like a mega VC deal all at the same time. Like that was just way too much to chew, honestly. Yeah. And like it kind of burned me out and really frustrated me that I couldn't put more of my like my juju into like hyperchanged content and ideas and that creative output. And so that's why I also don't stop doing deals for the last two months because I was like, unless I have a team that makes this easier, like it's not worth my time. Like I wanna spend my time on hyperchange. But the flip side is like me becoming this VC, leading this firm, the companies I'm taught, like even today, I have like three amazing calls or three whatever, like the, the companies I'm talking to, the people I'm gonna interface, the schemes, maybe it's not all able to be public, but obviously I try to make it public and like try to do the interviews when I can. Yeah. Um, but that makes me a better investor and that is my investing journey. And like, frankly, like that, you know, that's where the alpha is. That's where there's huge ability for me to make a ton of money really fast. And that's why I, I wanna do it. I'm by getting to these it. companies early and, and talking to the founders and getting that yeah kind of and like getting carry and like on yeah. getting carry on an eight-figure deal is huge and like you know right now hypergolf's just been me spending a bunch of money on lawyers like i've just lost a ton of money so it's i don't want to make it seem like it's that dope but you know it's like I, I um i don't know so something frustrated me about 
But okay, oh yeah, the point I was making there is the thing I love about it is that it puts me at the center of hyper change, hyper change. The companies that are changing the world faster than ever, building this amazing future. A lot of them are private. A lot of them are super hard to talk to. If you don't have a VC fund with millions, if you're not a deal maker or move maker, they don't care about you. They don't yeah. want to interface with you. Like yeah. this is my cost to play the game so I can be in the game, so I can bring you the schemes and the content and show you what is really happening. Like I got to be in the game. Like as much as it sucks that I'm taking a little bit of my attention away to do hyperguap, or I, I was, I think I figured that out now which is amazing but um like that's i'm in the game and i feel like that's the true value to hyper changes when i talk about vc like i'm really doing it because we're really out here deploying millions talking to these a tier vc deals getting into them getting my subscribers into them like that's a grind i know what i'm talking about now you know i'm interfacing with the c-suite levels of these companies that are changing the world that's yeah. how i get the schemes that's how i can bring you the amazing content so that's why i'm also like and the flip side is like, I'm not getting rich on content, you know, like I make a little money. I had to stop taking a salary for six months because I moved. I wanted to build my new set. I was paying too much rent. Then I like, I don't know. I was just investing in new equipment. Like I bought my Tesla. Like I haven't paid myself for six months, but I'm like running at break even. Right. But I'm not adding cash flow to invest. Like all my money I make is just because I'm investing in, you know, Unisox, Tesla, SpaceX, Bitcoin, ETH. Like that's what's making me all my money is actually my investment portfolio. And so I'm like, okay, this is dope. And I love hyperchange and I love that it's kind of this engine of the whole ecosystem. But like, I also frankly need the fuck you money, 25 mil, whatever they say. Like, I want that because I have huge ambitions. I want to start companies. Like, I'm not just trying to compound. I have like, you know, companies that require tens of millions of dollars that I want to start and fund myself and just do it independently. And like, that's my vision for my future. And Frank, so that means I need to monetize my audience right now in a way that we all win. I can get in the know. I can make content. I can make y'all rich if you're accredited and I can get mine so that I have the ability to do these kind of crazy out there schemes, um, in the next, you know, whatever, how many couple years. So I don't know. That's just me keeping it real, but Totally. No, I you think know? that I think that transparency is like good for your audience, right? Like that's what that, that's what you're all about. And I'm, I'm I'm curious, like, when you think about like why you created Hyperquap, it was to get people access to the deals that you were doing, right? And so when you think about it over like the next say like six months or so, like like what does that look like to you? And like if you're a Hyperquapper out there, like. Does that does that mean like getting more deal flow? Does that mean getting like seeing what the companies that you're scouting out? Like what what does it mean to be involved like as a hyper whopper? Yeah, I mean it just it basically means you're you gotta be in the club and write the same startup checks that I write. And so I think we're you know, we're gonna ramp up our deal flow totally. Like I wanna do way more deals. I mean I've been so the thing about the hyperguap deals though is they take like two years like the first couple deals i'm doing like i've known these companies for years and that's super important to me is like this kind of i really do my homework like it's not like i just meet the startup and i'm like this is sick i'll write you a check it's like nah like okay like you're talking a lot of stuff like let's wait six months and see what you built right you know and those startups deliver and then they deliver in another six months and then maybe i invest in them and then they deliver again and then i'm like you know what i think you're good enough to bring to hyperguap and so it's a really strict due diligence process and I'm all about quality, not quantity with yeah. my deal flow. Like I'm not trying to just do a million SPACs, you know? 
and <laughs> and just cash out six months later. Like, and I'm the first check into every deal and I only get paid unless we get carry and cash out. So I think it's structured in this super cool way, but it's also like, I don't know, like we might not do another deal for six months because I just don't find one that I think is the creme de la creme best in the world deal. But at the same time, I am, and this is a weird thing I'm still working out because HyperGwap's new, like I am, I just wrote two startup checks in LA in the past like three days, but they're super small checks and I had to like finesse the hell out of it and they like, they're not gonna let me do an SPV because they're two exclusive rounds. And like, I can't even really talk. One of them I made, a, I'm gonna make a video about, but the other one I can't yet. And so, you know, I'm just, like I said, playing the game, trying to finesse, but these are the relationships and the seeds I'm planting for potential hyperguap deals years down the road. And so- Totally, and I feel like part of what you're doing is like, like you said, planting the seeds so that when the time comes, you can let the hyperguap community get involved in. Like you're writing these smaller checks that are quick one-off to like get into the company and when the company has room for allocation, that's when you want to bring your like your followers over the hump and get them involved. And my biggest advice to people who are getting into the VC game is if you're getting access to a deal, the first thing you need to ask is why are they giving me access to this deal? And frankly, like you gotta kind of pay to play. I feel like in a lot of these things, like they see I'm serious. Like I finesse my way because I have a friend of a friend who lets me write that angel check. And then I get that one call with the founder and I've given them 10 ideas. I'm on one, I'm trying to add value. And they're like, damn, this galley guy gets it. Like he's kind of scheming on a different level. Like I, yeah, like he's one of the people we want involved big time in the next round. And that's, it can be that competitive if you want to get in these really good rounds. And so um, it takes the time to and, finesse that. And how do you, so, so for you, it's like, these conversations with founders. How do you get connected to these founders? How are you building your network of deal flow? Because to me, that's the secret sauce because everyone knows someone who's trying to start something, right? But it, it, how do you start something? How do you find the people who are like doing the best thing, right? How do you get access to the best people, the people who are building the biggest companies um, with like the, the best teams? What, like, what have you found that's worked out to get make sure? Yeah, yeah. it's a lifestyle, bro. <laughs> that's my answer it's a it's, lifestyle it just becomes who you are and because like it's just the people i'm talking to are either starting startups or funding startups or friends with people who are and like i just it's sort of like it doesn't feel like work to me but i'll be up at 2 a.m talking to some homie who's a founder who's telling me about his other homie who's a founder and just like because he thinks i think it would be dope and yeah. like then this other founder emails me because he loves the show and thinks he's doing hyper change stuff for an interview yeah but then i've begged them to let me on the cap table like you never know what it could be but it's just kind of this like weird hybrid of like a digital content strategy but just documenting my own journey as an investor and then just that whole like I don't know it just does that make sense the network kind of finds itself and then like i hear about the deals i call you know oh i hear about this kind of company like let me call my my friend who works in that industry and or i you know maybe i know one of the vcs who funded you in an earlier round let me call him up and see yeah. what he thinks like and then he's also mentioning this other company i should look at like the amount of companies um it's insane honestly like and i wasn't till i get someone like you to talk to where I can actually talk about all this stuff I'm doing. It's so fun because like, I can't talk about it with it to anyone. And that's like one of the biggest, most frustrating things about hyperchange is like sometimes the coolest stuff I can't talk about. And like, just all the successes, like just all the deep, I don't know. It's just kind of like, is there that's really frustrating. Is there something that is coming to mind that you feel like you haven't said that you want to say? Like about like, or that you're like, you're allowed to say about some of the successes that you're thinking about or some crazy startup connections? I mean, 
I'm a big believer in people not tracking their returns, right? And just yeah. kind of trying to invest the best they can. But I, and I don't like talking about, I don't know, like people like the NFT thing. Why are you dabbling so much in NFTs, Gally? What is this ETH thing? Why are you doing these crypto collectible socks? This is so dumb. This is not hyper change. Like, why are yeah. you doing this? Yeah. And it's like, okay, the flip side is like, I bought a Unisock for 60 bucks and now it's worth 80 grand and I got right. a dividend of a thousand uni, that's $60 to 130 grand investment in two years. Like that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, and then I bought 60, 20, $60 into a hundred. Yeah. And then I bought, so. um, 3.2 more uni, unisocks at 6,000 bucks, sold one at 22, sold another 0.2 at 32, sold another one at 105. Now I'm hodling another unisock. Like that's like, but I don't like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, you're not trying to flex. Like I don't like bragging or flexing. And then it's like all my, the startup investments are going up. But then I'm also like, am I leaving my cred off the table by not saying this? And like, you know, even someone like Chamath, like he's just constantly bragging about their returns or, or Jason Calacanis, like every VC is bragging about this stuff on Twitter. And I'm like, I don't like doing that. But then I kind of feel like that's leaving like, you know, I'm compounding my own capital yeah. at like hundreds of well, percent per year above anything. And yeah. I feel like I should be talking about that. So I wonder, you know, it's I, like a hundred X, honestly, like yeah. in the past two and a half years, I've hundred X my snowball, yeah. which is like, insane. just like, I don't know anyone who's like, I, who else found SpaceX at 35 right before the glow up Tesla at 200 yep. Tesla in 2012 Unisox at 60 and was buying Bitcoin at 300. Like you tell me who else is on that shit. Yeah. There's very few you investors know, that have checked all those different boxes. Yeah. And like, those were my biggest positions. And so, totally. um, and, and now I think, the but, but I, I feel like the framing to you is like, what's bothering you is like, like talking about like the, like how much percent you went up. Like, I feel like you don't like, or like X to, to Y because, and maybe that's because it's more about like uh, the product and the trend because that's like more your passion. It's more of like I got into Tesla when like there was they the Model Three wasn't even ramped. It was like, yeah you know like I got into Unisox when it was like only a couple hundred people had them and now like you know like and now the market cap blew up like this like less specifically on your success and more about like you saw something in an idea before it was when everyone else saw it and like yeah the returns gave you the returns that you got but that's not what it was about yeah totally and then it's like I don't think bragging about returns or making videos about that does anyone any good it just gives FOMO and it's like about flexing um yeah and I'm also like a little bit worried about saying if I'm making money on my investments because then I think people will stop like supporting me on Patreon and thinking I'm authentic and like that's a big worry I have and like I do the Patreon newsletter so I want to give that? people value you, for their Patreon. You want like, people to feel like they're like supporting the underdog and you don't want yeah. people to feel like you're like got to a point where they don't feel like they need to support you anymore. Yeah and like that kind of stresses me out because it's like I'm doing well on these investments but it's also like I don't have a real job I don't have a retirement totally. like that and like I'm not even making money from hyperchange like I have to literally but and so it's like and it's like all your like you, you don't yeah. it's not like you have a like you invest everything right everything's back into the channel everything's back yeah. into new products or new companies like it's, it's not like you're just like sitting on money th because of these investments yeah and like I like to think that my belief is that the people who kind of fund and back hyperchange are backing like a I like when people back the patreon it's like a I want to give you value like I'm going to try and prioritize your communication I'm going to try and do me like there was events and cool stuff I would do before COVID like uh the Patreon newsletter like I literally sit down and write this newsletter once a week that all my Patreons get that I think is like 
a sliver of my mind that's like really dope and valuable. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give that product to people if they if they support, like it's not just a kind of donation. And then also with like the producer thing, like those are people who really want to support the show and I want to put them in the credits and get them all these views for their credit and just have them be a part of the history that is the channel. So that is kind of, but- um, So you don't, you don't think people want to know that the like by doing their Patreon support that they helped like, like, I mean, with their support, they've enabled you to do what you're able to do and like see the results. Like, don't you feel like that's like rewarding for them? Like that your success is their success and betting on you and helping you? Yeah, I hope they see it that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of just uncharted territory. And like, because I feel like I still am the underdog in every situation I totally. go into. But, um, and like all these business negotiations, like it's just now that like we're scratching the surface on people taking me seriously as a VC and as a investor, even though it's like, I don't know, I think my track record speaks for itself. But, yeah. And so I, um, I don't know, it's just a fine balance, but I think I'm really ambitious with the stuff that I want to do in my career yeah. and so by people supporting hyperchange, like even if the show is dope now, like there's so many levels beyond that, that I kind of want to do savagely with my own capital and yeah. it kind of helps perpetuate so, that. So let's talk about that though. Cause like, like let's talk about what your electric fast electric sports car is to like your mass produced electric car. You know what I'm saying? Like hyperchange, hyperguat might be like your, um, like your initial scratch surface of the big stuff you want to do to build that electric sports car. And so what does that, what does that turn into? Like, wh where do you see yourself wanting to go? Yeah. I mean, so, so one of the kind of things I want to do with the Patreon and like with hyperchange, like why I want it to get bigger and do it, it's like a hyperchange event. Like when I talk about the sort of examples of that things. That sounds sick. Yeah, like yeah. this kind of event where like I prepare a really dope speech and like PowerPoint and presentation of some yeah. of the big ideas about I'm the future. About, like about like the just, future. Just like, like art comes out with their like, what the trends we're seeing. Like, yeah. like, like have your own like thought leadership on like, yeah. yeah and invite all these dope people i know and like yeah. have them do speeches um and just let totally. people come and like make content about that and just have this crazy jam sesh about ideas and like as much as it feels like we won the tesla problem like i just see so many problems in society that are also massive opportunities that like we need smart people talking about and focused on and so that's kind of like a big thing of my passion is like damn like how do we how do we get the conversation to you know see spiracy the fishing industry all of those problems mm -hmm. how are we you know we need a lot of smart minds tackling that like i was i recorded this other video today about tesla starting a tire company because tire pollution is too much of a thing like yeah. how many single-use plastic beverage things do we have like our trash is piling up like the food system is too much of a stress on the planet like there's all of these industries that need change and i think by highlighting them in a really cool fun way and showing the business opportunity to change these industries like we can actually move things forward and accelerate that because i think that's the secret sauce though right like so many people are talking about like plastic in the ocean or uh, climate change or whatever it is um, but very few people are getting people together that like actually can solve it from a business in the system that we're under, right? Like so many people might be coming at it from like a like a government perspective or an NGO or highlighting the issue. But 
hyper change is potentially getting people together that like understand how you can make something feasible Bro. without bothering people. Like that's the secret sauce. Dude, and like honestly, so I'll give you an example, the Seaspiracy thing. So I do Seaspiracy, I watch it, I'm like super inspired, I make all these tweets. Next thing you know, this guy who follows me on Twitter is like this amazing, you know, clean tech, fit, uh, sustainable fish food VC. And I'm on a call with him and he's sending me all this research and he's he's like, I'll introduce you all these companies. And yeah. like, now that's a converse, that's a little seed of a conversation that's gonna grow into this massive thing of change because just of that kernel of an idea and so that's kind of the power is like this powerful message of like the world needs to change we need to make things better but like how can we and then how can we get the attention on the companies like and the entrepreneurs can, yeah you know i'm a big believer that a, a company is the best way to change the world and that tesla's proving that that like tesla is going to change the world more than any green charity or anything yeah. because they are literally building the technology to get fossil fuels be economically irrelevant and that's how you create change is a vc backed or startup funded with billions of dollars working on revolutionary technology bringing it to market with a crazy founder that's how shit changes that's what we need to get more of if we actually want to get out of this sort of climate death spiral i believe we're in and so that's like what, what i'm kind of so passionate about is connecting and bringing it to you know because the companies with the right incentives i mean they have cash runaway like they're they have a burn rate you know these vc-backed companies are coming up with new ideas they're not they haven't been around right they're like innovative by nature and yeah. so it's like, these are the things that we need to create more of, more companies that can do these types and it's, of things. It's not even a VC, it's just like dope founders building it. Like I almost get so tired of everybody wants to be, be a VC. Everybody wants to be an investor. Like I hate that. I'm trying to get out of this game and getting into the building real shit game. Totally. Because that's what the world needs. People actually creating real products and real services and that you can buy that change the world. Not just like saying you want to invest in them over email or whatever. And so I think there's like, so how do you see you know, that changing, um, changing for you then? Like, if you think about like your career arc, like, do you see yourself becoming more of like a builder and operator, or do you see yourself that already kind of in your VC role? Yeah, I mean, it's dope. Hyperchange is dope because I got to build a little media company, but also learn. Yeah. And you know, now I built a VC firm. Yep. We have Hypercharts, which does SaaS that makes money. Like, that's yep. it's kind of like been this crash course of M getting my MBA and business 101. Like while, you are building all these businesses. You yeah, build a like media I company. pay my taxes. Yeah. It's an LLC. Like yeah. we're making WAP. I'm on payroll. Like whatever. Yep. Like, you, you know, you hire people a, for projects. You like, Yeah, I'm hiring all these cool freelancers. Yeah. Like that's, um, you know, we put out a show that people watch. We're going to put out products. Like I think I'm learning a little bit, but yeah. um, I don't know if I want to give too much clues about my new, because I don't even know what I want to do. I have a couple ideas, but yeah. I'm... I think um, I think you ju I just you, just on a high level like you talked briefly about this idea of like I want to like like roll my snowball and like like where things are going with hyper change and hyper guap as you become a better investor and you getting into doper and doper deals so like like if you had like 25 million dollars like right now like that fuck you money that you talked about like what would you do um well, one of my passions is obviously food. So I would, I, one of the things I really want to do is to start an urban farm and sort of create an R&D hub out of that to basically research all sorts of new farming methods and technologies and start implementing them. And I don't, I think our monocrop mono system of one 
silver bullet to fix agriculture is whack. And the entire thing is like, how do we actually build a new food system? And I think that's gonna be very decentralized, very lots of different specialized crops. Like I think we should be inventing new crops and new plants. And so there's all this like really cool opportunity that I see in the food space. And that's the first thing I would do is spend like a few million dollars to rent a warehouse and to hire people and to like start some of these like plant breeding and growing projects that I've wanted to do, but don't have the time to do. It's and like, create more of like a local food supply. Yeah, and like, so. what do we need? And that's why I'm like whining about earlier in the episode, like nobody's got healthy, fresh food. So it's like, what am I gonna do? Grow healthy, fresh food. Yeah. You know, not that's like fancy, but like that's, that's, that's just one example of the way I think about the next arc of my career. And I really don't like the VC game. Like I really like bootstrapping. I just think that's the way I build companies. And, um, I don't know. So I'm getting ahead of myself, but like, it's totally. kind of this optionality of like, I want to do something big and have a lot of capital and be able to do it my own way and not have to rely on other people believing in me for me to start it. And mm -hmm. so that means like, just, you know, it's like Gary Vee. It's like, you have big ambitions. Like you got to get there. Like it's got to, you got to make big moves. Yeah. And so I'm trying to make these big moves to like leverage my channel. And I also think like, just the people I'm getting into these deals, I don't know. Making rich people richer is like kind of whack, but at least with HyperGuap, I'm getting people like really cool, dope, long-term, smart, in it for the right reasons investors into these awesome companies, which is better than the status quo of VCs putting funds into companies where their investors or LPs in the fund, they kind of want to just cash out for an IRR. They don't want to change the world. They don't even know which company it's going into when they deploy the capital. Like that's just kind of a whack system. So I think we're, it's, I'm building a better system of that and that's dope, but um, it's really not fulfilling in a lot of ways. And I've realized that after doing my first VC deal, like I'm just so unfulfilled and like thought I would be so pumped when we wrote this huge check to Carta and like pulled off what was my dream to like, you know, do this multi-million dollar thing. And then it's yeah. like, all right, like what did I really just do? Like, A, I didn't even make any money on it yet. It's like not even, so there's no, and, what did I, it's just not fun. Who cares? Like, what are they going to say about you? Like, oh, you helped people piggyback on someone else's idea. And like you piggybacked on their piggyback and like made money off that. Like, that's just such a lame existence in a lot of ways. And so it seems like it's away from first principles of like, what's meaningful to you. Yeah, it definitely is. And the deeper I've gotten investing, the more I've realized how it's meaningless. And unless you just want to accumulate resources to do something else, frankly. And like, it's important to invest and it's important, like telling the stories is what's important. Um, I think that's where the magic happens. And that's what I like about but, but, but I think like you're, like you're saying, like there's meaning in the fact that you're getting to do what you want to do. And this is part of your journey and story. Like, like Tesla was like, we don't want to just build an electric sports car to like, like that wasn't the thing that was dope to rich people so they could have this really like dope car. It was like about creating this electric vehicle revolution. It's like, I want to invest in game changing innovative companies now. So I have enough capital and I can build like what I want to do and like refine my business skills, create community of like-minded people. Right. So then you, you can like have the ability to do what you want to do. Like this is like, you're in your, you're in your sports car moment. I feel like in your, and you're kind of like, like, yeah, the meaning might not be there, but it's part of your journey, right? Yeah, totally. And as someone who was like broke and, you know, the fact that you can do something and win and that gives you confidence that like, all right, if I can do a VC firm, if I can like 
compete with CNBC, if I can do my own thing at like, what else can I do? What else is possible? And so totally. that's, that's been a super inspiring part of it. And I also like, we have this hella epic scene right here. I almost feel like we should like show, it's just so epic. But like what I was thinking about this, I don't know why it's like, a, people can see, but it's like a dope, I feel like it's a dope kind of metaphor for like all the opportunity I see with, despite all the problems. Like I think we have so many problems in the world, but I see like opportunity at every turn. And I feel like if you were going to want to be born in an era, it would be born now, like literally this moment because yeah. everything needs to change. The cars we drive suck. The food we eat sucks. The way our cities are designed sucks. The clothes we buy suck. The way it's all produced sucks. It's just, maybe I said sucks too much, but like, you know what I mean? Like it all, there's all these problems. There's all this like, and it's all just an opportunity to do it better. And then be like that person who did it better and changed the world for the better. That's just all the stories that are waiting to be told is these amazing people who are like, wait, this problem's an opportunity. I'm going to go change it. Like that's so, I just feel like people are kind of not grasping the epicness of this moment in history right now yeah but i feel like the more that you can like you're you're telling that story that people have opportunities you're building community you're getting people together who think like-minded about this stuff and i feel like that even if it just moves the needle like like an inch you know like over time is like such a big thing for like the human civilization if you just like tell the story of electric cars you get more people like equity so more people have like um eight, like feel like they're part of the businesses that they're building like through carta like there's just so much that like even if it feels like small things is like pushing the human race in the, the right direction and with enough people be like behind that like with the hyper changers like like you are creating people who want to move the world in the right direction and that's like super powerful dude and i mean one example of that is like i don't know you know it's like hyper change it seem way doper than it is right but it's like the one thing i do am pumped about that we did kind of change was like the tesla earnings call moment like that to me was really like this big moment of like the the just in the box closed-minded wall street mindset breaking and like having this breakthrough where like the trajectory just kind of veered off to like no the thought of tesla is not going to be on this quarterly bullshit it's going to be on the vision it's like gonna we be, can do things different we can the way do things different things. Like, like like it can change even if it is like the conference call of tesla yeah elon musk is on the phone like yeah that is yeah. They, that can be disrupted like th like and, and, and the world can get behind you. Like, you know, Kathy Wood and MKBHD like tweeted after that and were pumped. And these are like my heroes, my idols. Yeah. And they're like on my side of like, Elon should have done that. This was a dope conversation. This is why Tesla's the future. And it's yeah. just like that moment to me was like, wow, like there's so much potential. And like, there's so much potential to just be on the right side of history and to just change shit that like, I don't know. That really inspired me. Like you talk about what could make me think this could go all the way. It's like shortly after that, I think is when I, or not. Yeah. But anyway. But I think what you're saying about like the backhand of like tradition, like holding us back. And when we do things differently and move forward, like what we're able to do because of that. Totally. Right? And I like what you're saying about starting the conversation because that's like this, I got into it with my dad and I'm like, he's talking about seaspiracy and he's just like, that's never going to work. Like I'm a scientist. Like, how are you going to grow plant-based fish products? They're going to have more waste and pollution. They're too expensive. And it's yeah. like, well, what do you want to do, dad? Give up, just give up and be like, I like, I don't have a plan. Like the world population's too big. Like, fuck it. You know, that's what old people are at. But I'm like, no, we need to start having the conversation. And even if culture-based plant or like cell, you know, grown 
like fish meat isn't the answer. Like those companies who fail in that space, but who tried will have pushed the conversation forward. Like we need smart people working about this problem and thinking about it and talking about it constantly. And that's how we're gonna start the progress is like this conversation. Like that's what, I, like another big thing on the conversation, the air we breathe, very bad quality. We should start that conversation. How can we fix that? Our roads, super dangerous. There's a massive public health crisis which gets flowed into us as a finan financial detriment through our tax burden. You know, why are we not talking about that? And so um, as, as much as I don't like hyper change because just talking about what other people are doing, I do feel like there is a big unique moment to like, we're talking about the things that need to be talked about is a place that needs a lot of work right now. And that's why like Gary Vee was so inspiring to me of like, if you have a good message, if you're pumped about the future, like get loud with that because the world needs that shit. And I really, really believe that like. And, and there's like so many things though, like we need more entrepreneurs, like starting companies and doing stuff. Like you said, there's, you look at the ocean there's like, there's just so much opportunity to do things and getting like-minded people together that are like, like and pushing each other to like start companies and connect with each other and building that community like there's so many entrepreneurs and vcs that follow you and people within finance that want to make the world better and like getting all those people in one spot because they aren't maybe content creators and bringing them together to then like talk about these problems and hash these out like that is huge and i i feel like a lot of what you're doing is kind of like illuminating like the opportunity to like make change um, yeah, dude. And, and honestly, I don't want to interrupt. You're getting me on this huge idea that I want to forget about government regulation. Like I want to start open sourcing one pagers of what I think new legislation should be like not affiliated with a party. And I know this is super taboo and everyone hates politics, but no, like, dude, this is I, like, like I love the Joe Rogan joke. It's like, bro, like the founding fathers come back alive and they're like, you didn't write any new shit. Yeah. Like we haven't added yeah. any new fucking rules, dude. The yeah. iPhone came out like what? Like I just can't comprehend that. And so the fact that we're not talking about what laws should change. What are the laws going to be on Mars? I love how Elon Musk talks well, that, about that. I think that's that. what like, Peter Thiel brought up, like the Seasteader movement. Like where we're so like, like backhanded by tradition, the way that things have been, that it's like, we're not, we don't have that first principles perspective of like, we're at this place now. How should we build stuff from scratch? And we've completely lost like how we should be thinking about like, our, uh, how we like get fish because we're like, oh, we got to fix our fishing problem and like create this. It's like, no, let's just think about the nutrients we need in general. You know, like maybe we don't even need fish, you know, like let's like, like think about just our food supply and like, let's yeah. look at the technology that we have, you know? And it's like, we just need to start looking at things differently instead of like looking at how things like the, the way they were. Yeah. And you know, I don't know. The political discussion to me is I'm really passionate about that, about getting smart people who have ideas about how the future should be to start working with government. Yeah. Because I think that's our government is the world's you know biggest company, basically. And like we need to do be activist citizens and shareholders by kind of updating the bylaws, making a sustainability goal that's better and real. Like and I just think the converse like we don't have, you know, the world's smartest economists are making a ton of money in markets. They're not and they're not using their understanding. Like I think the greatest investors are anthropologists and that's what I strive to be. Totally. Someone who studies humanity and how it's gonna change. And if you study the past 
of humanity and how we've lived and how that's changed, it becomes very crystal clear to see the future of where this is all going. And so I think yeah. the greatest investors are anthropologists. Like you look at what happened with the combustion, internal, fossil, internal combustion engine fossil fuels for a hundred years, that was our propulsion system, but now it's getting too expensive. Geopolitically, people don't want to rely on this complex, you know, global network. It's getting cheaper. The technology's there. Um, you know, people want this. We're pricing in negative externalities about the climate into our societies. This is just the moment um, between a, a bunch of combination of economic, political, and technological factors for this to be the EV revolution. And so I, you know, and that's the Tesla investment. And we also have this computer eating the world or software eating the world, computer on wheels thesis. So there's just so like, it's really an anthropological understanding. So I think once we bring that lens to the political world and say like capital gains tax, like we should stagnate that and make it super upfront. Um, and then like basically 0% if you hold a company for 10 years. So you like incentivize long-term thinking. Ladder, you know, um, like revenue tax, you know, so Amazon can't avoid paying taxes. Let's just charge 1% on revenue or something if that's a better way to do it. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. I think st uh, there's a huge opportunity to like tax companies for single use products. Like Coca-Cola pollutes so many plastic bottles, Starbucks. I mean, I'm guilty of that all the time. Like I, I'm like, I literally have a Coca-Cola product right here, but like it's, and it's a vitamin water and it's like got this single use plastic. This is garbage. I hate that. But like, yeah. I needed something to drink and I was super thirsty and like, I didn't have my water bottle and like I had to, I don't know. So I'm getting sidetracked, but the point is like, I see this big crossover. And so um, I wanna start using the, my platform to like really kind of think bigger um, and yeah. Well, I think that's interesting because we get so siloed, right? Like into like companies or like public service or whatever it is, but it's all about just making humanity better. Like that's the core theme at the end of the day, right? And I think China has an interesting model where it seems like the public and private sector are much more intertwined, which gets a lot of like hate from the US system. But it's like how, but like, I think the truth of the matter is like, how can we like get more of a harmony between like regulation and economic um, incentives so we're moving our society in the right way and what are things that we can put forward to, to make us on long-term thinking, to make us sustainable, to make us build these types of companies, to get that type of funding and tax credits so that we move in the right direction, you know? Yeah, totally. And I don't know, that's um, honestly another tangent that I think is kind of funny to bring up is like, I'm super big, part of me is like, I kind of want to, as much as I want to build stuff and like do this real like breading your farm thing, I feel like the other end of that question is like, what else do I want to do with my platform? Like make content, like make art, like make like videos, make music, yeah. make comedy. Like those are things I'm really passionate about. And I feel like for even if I like it or not, like that's what I've stumbled into is my career kind of. And so that's another way I see going is like using my platform to like, or just come like, what is the show? It's a digital file that exists on the internet that people interact with. And so I, that's my business is creating digital files or content. And so I want to get into comedy and music. And those are two areas that like I've been working on that I suck at now. You got to suck to do everything, but that I want to just bring, you know, I, that's what I am super passionate about and what bring, brings me joy. And I think if you're going to pick something to do for your career as an entrepreneur or whatever creator person, like you have to be happy first. Like you have to be selfish as fuck and be doing it for you because you want to do it every day. And if you have that and you know that and that no matter what, it'll make you happy to do it, then like you have what it takes to succeed and, you know, take all these beatings down from the world that say you suck and you're not dope and you're doing it wrong and that's going to ruin your, you know, so I, you know, I want to 
I, I see one path as like a builder in my career, but I'm like, maybe I'm just tripping. Like, that's not actually my calling. My calling is to like do content and like embrace that and try and blow up and get my audience on sort of this funny content wave bigger because that also equates to power. And then I can use my spotlight of shining attention in a positive way on these issues. And I think making YouTube videos with a financial whatever is great, but I also think culture is so much more than that. It's, you know, I love painting. Painting is culture. Music is culture. Like comedy, I think stand-up comedy is one of the most underappreciated ways to change culture and to rethink about our world and, and what's around us and, and the ridiculousness of it and how we can change it. And and so that's a really powerful medium. Like I, I think comics do are extremely underappreciated. And so that's something I wanna do. And like, I don't know. And Part of me thinks it's lame to just like make videos and content, but the other part of me is like, I don't know, maybe that's what I'm gonna do instead, so. Yeah, and I think it's all about doing what is your jam, right? And if you have all these things, that's when you're gonna do the best, like you're gonna be happiest about doing it when people say you don't wanna do it. Yeah, and honestly, like that's why I was so proud of yesterday. Like I put out this trading chick video, which people thought, you know, how to make an NFT. Yeah. Honestly got a lot of hate for that, but like, I loved it. It was like such a great troll video that just captured the level of trolling the NFTs are, that captured what this era is of just ridiculous online people doing ridiculous online things with this ridiculous online metaverse yeah. that's transcending in the real world. We shot it on Rodeo Drive, like just the, the IRL NFTs, if you, you know, it just yeah. like, I loved the artisticness of the content because of how it captured a moment of time that I think may or may not be absurd in the financial moment. And that's why the video may or may not have been, like it was so meta. So I I was proud of that I broke out of my mold to do different content. And then I was so proud that I also made a beat for that video. So one of the like transition beats, like I made that from scratch, made it, produced it, you know, mixed it, so, whatever, like literally from scratch on my computer. It's not that dope, well, but like I did it. And I made this 30 second comedy video that yeah, was that my was first funny. comedy video that I got to put on my normal YouTube channel. So like that was me being like, damn. And I called it Troll Tuesday when I tweeted, but I was like, maybe that's what I do every Tuesday. Like drop a beat, do a comedy video and make an out of the box hyper change video. Like that's the kind of like, I don't know, like I don't plan my career and what I'm doing ahead of things that much, but I plan like how I wanna put my work into stuff and how I wanna like allocate my attention and focus and effort. And that's how I'm kind of doing it now is like letting, having how do you these think like about creative that, outlets. Cause, cause that's, a, that's like super interesting to me. Like you don't plan too far in the future, but like you do in the, sh in the short term, like you think about like how you plan your flow, but like, dude, you're such like, like people box themselves in, right? Like I'm an investor, I'm a content creator. Yeah. I'm in real estate. I'm an astrophysicist. Like I'm an engineer. It's like, like what happened to being just like Renaissance people and just being like interested in the world. Like I'm a fisherman, I'm a, in the motorcycling, I'm in to like basketball, yeah. I'm into investing. Like, like, like we, we boxed ourselves into categories and I feel like you're really like, un, like you people are so like, we're, there's not just, we're not just one dimensional people. We're and not. Like, like I feel like, generations before us because of like the industrial age were put in these boxes and now like with the advent of like the internet and being able to learn so much on your own like you can do anything yeah it's it's easier to do all that stuff it's the era where it's dope to be less specialized you want to be talking on your show you want to be shooting your show you want to be you know having your friends who are on your show like you want yeah. to just do it all um and it's I think it's a really beautiful time and I've kind of had to embrace that. Like I used to think of myself as an investor, like I'm not creative, like I'm not a video guy. Like 
I'm not an artist. I'm not a this. I'm not a that. I, you know, I'm this because that's what people tell me I am. Like, I have to dress like this because that's how people think an investor dress. Like, yeah. it just like, I, and I feel like I lived in that box my whole life. And then it just took me a while to be like, why am I not a creative person? Like, why am I not a designer? Why can't I shoot videos? Like, you know, and it's just kind of like, I'm just going to be breaking me out of that am, mindset. I'm just going to be me and I am that type yeah, of thing. Exactly. And trying to not overthink it and like, Thank you, Aiden. Really appreciate it, dude, bro. This was hella game. fun, honestly. I didn't know where it was going to go. Super fun, dude. <laughs> All right. Peace out, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Definitely leave a comment, right? Why not? <laughs>